Welcome to the 97th installment of Ear to the Ground, the Land Stewardship Project's audio podcast on family farming, sustainable agriculture, local food systems, and local democracy. I'm Brian DeVore of the Land Stewardship Project. When Josh Reinitz returned to his family's farm in southern Minnesota, he and his wife Sally knew they wanted to make a living from the land, but felt size was an issue. They had access to around 40 acres, and only about 5 acres of that was tillable. All of this in an area dominated by large-scale corn and soybean operations that run in the hundreds, even thousands, of acres. But during the winter of 2008-2009, Josh and Sally took the Land Stewardship Project's Farm Beginnings course. The course not only taught them how to set goals and prepare a farm business plan, it introduced them to established farmers who were proving that you could have a viable farm enterprise on just a few acres. In 2009, the 30-something couple launched a community-supported agriculture vegetable operation. Also known as CSA, this type of agriculture consists of farmers selling shares in their operations before the growing season. The farmers then provide shareholders regular deliveries of, for example, produce throughout the season. CSA farming not only provides eaters with a close connection to their food and how it's produced, but also it's a relatively low-cost way for farmers to launch their enterprises. And since they have already sold shares in the farm before the first seed is planted, CSA allows those farmers to focus on producing quality food rather than having to deal with marketing issues throughout the season. The Reinitzes recently started their third CSA season and are still in the building stages. They currently have 60 shareholders and eventually would like to have 100 or even 120. I recently visited Josh and Sally, along with their two young sons, Henry and Miles. The couple talked about how farm beginnings helped them realize how important good business planning is when launching and operating a farm, no matter what the size or enterprise involved. But crunching the numbers isn't everything. The family also talked about how, when things get difficult, remembering what attracted them to farming in the first place is important. You guys are really in a situation where you feel like you aren't tied into one way of farming, that you've kind of, you're going the CSA route now, right now, but you're, um, you feel like because you've got the access to the land and you have some ex- access expertise and some resources here, you've got a variety of landforms, you've got some woods, some open fields. We really want to be able to take advantage of what our particular plot of land has to offer. Um, so with the vegetables, for instance, we don't have, you know, we don't have the land for a 20 or 40 acre vegetable farm. We have five acres in vegetables. And unless we buy or rent more land, that's all we have. So once we grow into that, rather than, you know, renting more land, we might go into our woods and start developing some enterprises in the woods. Yeah, so really, really keeping keeping our farm as a whole system as a you know self-contained system um, we really see potential in the fact that we do have tillable land pastures and woods and we can kind of you know and it also depends on the market too so if if all of a sudden organic vegetables aren't that hot but let's say maple syrup and honey is well we have land to be able to do that as well so our flexibility is determined by the market somewhat too i think the other thing that was interesting we talked a little bit about when you started taking farm beginnings you thought a little bit that well we're going to learn how to raise this many chickens or uh, raise this many acres of vegetables but you realized halfway through it was really about business planning and the business of farming and um 
that that was a little bit of a rude surprise, but then you realize, well, that's really the key if we're going to do this in the long term, no matter what kind of enterprise we do. Yeah, uh, it's turned out to be a, a very pleasant surprise. Um, I guess we didn't really know what to expect going into farm beginnings other than we were pretty serious about starting something. I, I guess we were probably both a little naive about how much business profitable farm has to be. You really have to think like a business person, an entrepreneur to bring it from, you know, kind of a hobby farm or, you know, kind of a side business. If you want it to be your full-time primary income, you really have to treat it like a business. You can learn you can learn the skills of farming from other farmers. You know, I can learn how to run machinery from my father who used to be a farmer. There's other people in our community we can learn from as far as the technical aspects of farming. But how to develop a sustainable farm and a sustainable and viable business model was very beneficial from Farm Beginnings. You said one of the kind of pleasant surprises or one of the, the, the good uh, things that's been happening lately is you kind of feel that in the neighborhood anyway, uh, other people in the community, including your banker, you know, family, neighbors, are starting to see this as a viable business and not just a hobby farm and that it's something that uh, it is contributing to the economy. And that, and that makes you feel good in a lot of ways. One is you grew up here, and so it's a way for you to be part of the community and, and contribute to it. Where we are in the state particularly, um, there has not been much in the way of these smaller, you know, like a CSA or a small organic farm. There really isn't too much around here. We're dominated by um, the larger um, corn and soybeans and hogs, those type of farmers. So when we go out into the community and say, hey, gee, we're, we're going to start a little organic CSA, they just say, what? What's that? <laughs> Um, but now, three years into it, uh, people are coming to ask for gardening questions. Other farmers, the, the corn and soybeans farmers around us, are asking us about crop rotation. And that seems, um, it's kind of seems odd, but it's also really, really interesting that people around here are taking notice in what we're doing. Are also now we've kind of, we've kind of proven ourselves a little bit to the skeptics around here that this is a viable farm. It's a real farm, you know, it might only be 40 acres, but if we're making a living, isn't that a farm? And so even to our family members and friends, we're able to kind of show that this isn't just a, you know, a harebrained idea or some scheme or, you know, something we're just going to try. No, this is a pretty serious business and, and we're making it work and we hope that Others will kind of come to this area too and and start farms similar to ours to grow the local food movements in in the part of the state that we're in. You market a little bit some of your CSA shares to the Twin Cities, but you said you've got maybe this year at least twenty of your members from right within five miles of a pretty heavy duty farming rural area. That's got to be. I mean. If we're going to be truly local, that must be something that you're really striving for is to try to get as much of that market as local as possible. Yeah, if we didn't have to deliver more than 15 or 20 miles, a 15 or 20 mile radius from the farm, I'd be pretty happy. Um, the twin, we're less than an hour from the Twin Cities, and that's obviously a great market for us. However, the more that we can deliver 
to people within five miles. And when we started, people just had no clue what a CSA is or hadn't heard of it down here. However, now we go into town and people, people know who we are. I think word of mouth has helped quite a bit. We do a lot of advertising. The only paid advertising we really do is in our local newspapers, and we hang flyers up in the local businesses, and that just generates a lot of calls and questions and people talking about it. And a lot of the people we run into, including the, the, the older farm families around us, really see this as, you know, I really wish I could do something like that. I remember when I was a kid and we had a huge garden. We just don't do that anymore. We go to Cub Foods or we go to Mankato to buy our, our groceries. And I just wish we could go and have a time again where we can grow the food like we used to around here. And so it's it's kind of nice to be providing an example to our local communities of how that's done. Sally, you had mentioned that you had always been drawn to farming a little bit from a romantic Kind of you had a romanticized view of it. You'd had relatives who'd been involved and you'd been able to have fun summers on on the farms and that. I guess after three years into the reality, do you still have a romantic view of farming? I think I do still try to see the best in it and try to see the whole picture of how it's going to affect me and my family and other people in the world. It kind of sounds like a cheesy answer, but it is a lot of hard work, but that's part of the romantic ideal i think um it's i think that's still the true american like the american dream that you work really hard for something and and you can get something from it get results um i like that aspect of farming that i can actually see what's happening every day there's changes i think thinking about it romantically has helped me stay <laughs> stay involved otherwise i would have been long gone especially when the mud is over your ankles and it's just horrible so yeah you have to keep you have to keep looking at it like that to sur survive <laughs> information on Farm Beginnings, see www.farmbeginnings.org. For more on Josh and Sally Reinitz's CSA farming operation, see www.easthendersonfarm.com. That's easthendersonfarm.com. If you have comments or suggestions about this podcast, contact Brian DeVore at bdevore at landstewardshipproject.org, or you can call 612-722-6377. Thanks to Laura Borgendale, a Western Minnesota musician, for Ear to the Ground's theme music. And a special thank you to all of Land Stewardship Project's members who make initiatives such as this podcast possible. If you're not a member, visit landstewardshipproject.org to learn how you can support LSP. Thanks for listening. <laughs>